Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nettling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to bring topics and guests that will empower you to bring you to become a confident leader and take your business and your life to the next level. Today, I'm excited to have as a guest, Dagna Bieda. And let me tell you about Dagna. She is an engineer turned career coach for engineers. Coding for over 10 years and coaching for the past four years, she's the tough love, been in your shoes kind of coach. Her clients have various backgrounds from working at small companies to F-A-A-N-G companies. So you can tell me what that is after. And their experience ranges from two to 20 years with education ranging from self-taught through career changing boot camps, college graduates and some military or immigrant backgrounds. As a coach, she helps her clients reach their full potential and exciting career opportunities by reprogramming their mindset for success. I love the fact that we're going to talk about getting past imposter syndrome because for not only engineers, (laughs) but most of us, most any career you have, you're going to at some point in time maybe several times throughout your career, have imposter syndrome. So please join me in welcoming Dagna Bieda. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, whatever time of day it is for you. Hi, Vicky. Thanks so much for this lovely intro. You are welcome. And um, I think you're the first engineer person I have, so that's excellent. Where do you call home? Where do you live is our, our always our first easy question for you. So at this point in time, I'm located in lovely Charlotte in North Carolina. So oh. we're in the same time zone. Yep. Yay. <laughs> and my niece moved to Charlotte just a little while ago, maybe um, five months ago now. So oh, nice. I hope to get to up to visit her, but go through Charlotte often on my way home to Pittsburgh. <laughs> But, uh, ah, yep. have not have not been there um, to stay at all. All right, so let's get into this. Um, I'd love to give your background, your career story, because not oftentimes <laughs> does an engineer go into a career where they have to actually talk to people a lot. As a coach, I know, would. right? Talking <laughs> so, is like this Achilles foot of engineers. Absolutely. That's why they need coaches like myself, I know, right? <laughs> I know. It's, and and it, the reason why it strikes, strikes me, whenever years and years ago, one of my careers was with um, a fast food chain. 
And the job that I had for several, you know, probably almost a year was to do a behavioral study of the managers or potential managers of that group. And if I ever got someone that came up with that behavior or that um, criteria as being a engineered, like <laughs> I would hesitate in putting them in that manager job because they just wanted to always shut their office door and not deal with customers or clients or anyone. <laughs> and that really didn't help us in the fast food industry. That so, makes sense. You know, so, in, um, engineers, whenever we grow in our careers, what happens is we tend to overvalue the technical set of skills and not really value enough the skills that help us work good with other people, right? It's kind of this um, skew in perspective. Um, another thing that is very um, worth noting is that very few engineers get any sort of formal training on communication, yeah. right? We do get like the processes, like how do you work in agile, waterfall, whatever methodology you're using for delivering your work or planning your work. But in terms of really communication, collaboration, how to be assertive and not come across as aggressive, that's just not something that's in the curriculum for an engineer, mm -hmm. right? So you asked me a little bit about my story. And honestly, when I was a teenager, what I wanted to do is build the future. And I know it sounds like, you know, very not defined, <laughs> but essentially that's something that motivated me to first pick robotics. So that's what I actually studied mm -hmm. in college, control engineering and robotics. And then in order to make money after that particular degree, you kind of had to go into um, software engineering. And as a robotics engineer, I had to learn how to code, even though I hated programming at that point in time. Uh, but you kind of have to understand what code to put in a microcontroller or like how to program a robot to interact with people, right? Or mm -hmm. like how to program the sensors of it so it doesn't bump into things. And so I shifted after graduating because I did work as a robotics engineer for um, two years and then I shifted to being a software engineer. And then I thought, okay, I'm building the future. I am creating something out of nothing because that's what mm. software is, right? You have a blank page and then you have a program and that program can do something. So this is kind of like really fun. But what happened later in my career, as I was growing, progressing, I hit a plateau, right? Part of the reason I hit a plateau was because I didn't have the people skills, right? Mm. So I moved from Poland, where I'm original from, to United States. And what happened was I was coming across as this arrogant <laughs> engineer, you know, and instead of being seen for the value that I brought to the table for the subject, being the subject matter expert, mm. because I thought, hey, this is what you hired me for. So I'm telling you, you know, what we need to do here. And you're now not paying attention to what it is that I'm saying. Ah, this is so frustrating. <laughs> so this is um, a common obstacle or issue that my clients face. And I perfectly understand it because I've been in their shoes, mm. right? 
But as I was in that role of a senior software engineer, what happened was at a certain point in 2019, things kind of came crashing down and I experienced burnout and as a new parent, also postpartum depression. So in the throes of burnout and the postpartum depression, I finally reached out for help. I finally realized, okay, I can't do this anymore by myself. Like I need to stop pretending ending that everything's fine and I can do all this because I can't um and also you know the job was not really bringing any satisfaction at this point like things that used to light me up on fire like I was telling you a second ago like I'm creating the future now we're like I gotta wake up and go to work oh I don't want to do it so what I did I reached out for help I started working with a therapist. Um, I was only engaged in talk therapy. I didn't take any medications, but just the conversations itself and the therapist being able to point out the patterns that I was tapping into and labeling them. So then I could Google everything there was to Google on the topic or get all the books that I could get a hand on. I noticed the transformation that I went through simply from talking to someone right and then I realized wow this is so powerful you can have conversation with someone help them see from a different perspective get an aha moment and their life changes in such a profound way (gasps) I want to do this thing (laughs) So my own experience that, um, you know, wasn't fun in in the midst of it, but was such a transformation and shined the path on on what it is that I do now, coaching. Every time that I get on a call and I get to have a meaningful conversation with the client, I'm on fire. I love it. I absolutely love doing what it is that I do right now as a coach. And having had that journey of being an engineer makes me like a really good coach because like I said, I really understand exactly what it is that my clients are dealing Mm -hmm. with because I had to deal with all those struggles too. Yeah, I can completely agree with that. (laughs) So we we talked about what you your journey was and what you've done and how you're helping people but let's specifically talk about someone comes to you and maybe they've been successful and all of a sudden things have changed the new job responsibilities new role and now they're questioning their abilities they have that imposter syndrome going on so how do you help them get past it Love the question because imposter syndrome comes up very often, right? And the very first thing that I do with my clients is essentially diving in to analyze their internal mental programming, right? So how are their thought patterns looking like? What is it that they focus on in their thoughts? What are things that keep popping up? Like what is going on on autopilot running in the background? (laughs) And a lot of the time, The first thing that we want to understand is where is this coming from? How is that programming working, right? Kind of like when you have an app, right? Mm -hmm. You can have a certain behavior because there's a feature missing or a behavior is happening a certain way because there's a bug. So we're trying to kind of jump into that mental programming and really debug So understand what is it that is kind of triggering the imposter syndrome, right? Because... One other thing that I kind of, I'm going to go on on a 
quick tangent here, Vicky, is that I want to recognize that imposter syndrome as a term is overused. And so a lot of the time, what people are actually experiencing are growing pains and not the imposter syndrome, right? So let's recognize the difference. What, What are growing pains and what is the imposter syndrome? How these two differ? So essentially, whenever you're going through any sort of growth, right? Um, If you're experiencing growing pains, you're going to feel that discomfort. Um, But even though you're feeling uncomfortable in the moment doing something, you're still realistic about like what's going on, Um, about the role that you have, like that you're learning and growing a new skill. When it's the imposter syndrome, you're not realistic about what's going on, right? So you're not able to objectively see mm-hmm. what is happening. So for example, if you're getting nervous before a meeting and uh, you're feeling nervous and there are thoughts running through your head, what am I doing here? I'm not qualified to do this. What is going on? Um, I shouldn't be here. Like, why did I get this responsibility? This was a mistake. So there are two things that can be happening here. One is your internal critic is just has the volume Mm -hmm. cranked up high. And so for that reason, you're harshly judging yourself and criticizing yourself. But what you're in reality doing is learning a new skill. You're growing, right? So it is going to be uncomfortable because you don't know how to lead a meeting because you haven't done it before. So obviously it's going to be uncomfortable, right? Now, the, the biggest difference between the growing pains and the imposter syndrome is that the imposter syndrome is going to stop you. It's going to shut you down from growing, Mm -hmm. right? You're going to keep yourself small. You're going to not reach out to people for the fear of being seen as the imposter, as the person who didn't deserve it. But when you're experiencing growing pains, and if you can understand that you're going through a phase of growth, you're still able to reach out to other people, get feedback on how to grow, how to do it better, what is it that you're missing, and you're you're able to take that feedback and your perspective is not skewed towards what's negative. It, you're able to kind of see it for, for what it is and reach out to people to get that help. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And as you were talking, you know, <clears throat> as a project lead in my career, I've worked with many, many people who were engineers, software engineers, technology um, was their their baby. But when they were talking one-to-one with another technology person or software engineer or any kind of engineer, they talked that speak and they were comfortable. But now you're in a room and you're asked to present to 25 people who don't speak that and the ability to be able to demonstrate or to share in a in a way that is understandable by all is what gets them nervous and that's you know that's where it's helpful to have a coach to be able to run through that presentation or that um, meeting and and give guidance if you will like okay you could say this a different way or um, help you know help to guide so What other soft skills do you need to be able to push through from being that engineer behind the desk and their friend is the computer to now talking to human beings? (laughs) 
So the first thing that I want to acknowledge that a lot of the time um, engineers feel the need to keep themselves small because they believe that keeps them safe, right? So essentially any kind of notion of being seen makes them dreadful because it doesn't feel safe, right? If you're going to see me for who I am, you're going to criticize me. And I don't want to be criticized, so I'm just going to stay hidden behind my computer. Yeah. So that's like one of the things. The second mm-hmm. thing is not having the skills um, to communicate with other people, to collaborate, to present, which mm-hmm. might make it feel even more difficult to reach out, right? Because yeah. the 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 reason a lot of people don't feel safe in conversations is because um, essentially they're afraid of criticism that there will be some sort of negative consequences, like, oh, if I say something stupid, will I lose my job, right? Or will people think that I am incapable of doing my job and that will um, hold my promotion off, right? Or I will not get a raise if um, I fail in the meeting or something like that, right? So those fears are really kind of grown out of proportion a lot of the time and that's why it's good like you said to have a coach work with someone that you can really kind of reassess hey are my thoughts really actually true or am I blowing things out of the proportion right and with imposter syndrome that's um, a lot of time the case so whenever whenever someone is struggling with imposter syndrome or whenever someone is struggling to kind of be seen um, and that um, I, I see it often, especially with younger engineers who don't feel very solid with their technical skills. Um, a lot of the time, they also won't be able to, for example, take a compliment or mm-hmm. can take constructive criticism, right? Because again, that feels like a threat that makes us feel unsafe. So one of the things that I do with my clients is to teach them how they can feel safe mm-hmm. in a conversation. How can they essentially change um, a little bit, refactor that internal mental programming to see those situations as different, to change the meaning that they assign to what is going on, right? So in the case of the imposter syndrome, and for example, feeling like you don't belong because maybe you don't have a traditional background and you came from a boot camp, um, you know, we go through examining what are the beliefs and how to to what extent true they are and to what extent they are our inherent human negativity bias so that helps them get a more objective perspective and see themselves for the value that they bring to the mm-hmm. table and you know with imposter syndrome a lot of the time i see people have trouble marketing themselves right yeah. and The reason behind that on one hand is that not feeling safe whenever they're being seen. But the second one too is um, whenever, um, whenever, ah, and I'm blanking out here. I'm sorry. (laughs) It'll come back to you after we get to something else. Uh, you know, and one of the things that I was thinking about in terms of even being safe is, you know, an engineer knows their their lane, if you will. They stay in their lane, but then uh, oftentimes people are impressed by what they've done, and so they say, "Oh well, you should be a manager. You should be a director. You should 
and that's not in their lane. And so now that's that's a completely different set of skills. Exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. Mm -hmm. And they're mm -hmm. not trained generally for you know that's that's what always frustrated me is if I see somebody that is great technically. I'm going to spend time getting to know them, building relationship with them to see how are they socially? How are they with people and, and things like that? And what skills, where's the gaps for leadership that I can work with them to improve upon as opposed to just thrusting them in there because, oh, well, you're great at this coding. So you must be great at being a manager and, and they fail and, and and you never want your people to fail. You know, I think that's exactly that's exactly right. But you're very true here that this is a great point. Um, the best engineers usually make really bad leaders because they don't have the skills to work with other people to the extent that they need them in yeah. this new position, right? Because yeah. it's not just coding anymore it's not just creating that um piece of software that fixes a bug or creates a new feature now um even the definition of success be becomes more elusive right because mm -hmm. as an engineer you have this piece of code that delivers a functionality fixes something so the yeah. application works differently so now at the end of the day you know you've been successful <laughs> when you're a leader you don't really have something yeah. so instant that gives you that feeling of yes I've been productive today and I've been successful you have to like put intention behind creating that definition for yourself whenever you mm -hmm. transition from an engineering to a leadership position so in, in just these last couple of minutes before we have to um, wrap this up, because time is flying by, so definitely um, we'll have to make this that you come back and we talk a little bit more, because I think it's fascinating on the topic that we're on of how, again, it is not just engineers that this is, but um, what she with Dagna has learned from working with engineers is definitely insights that I think would help a lot of you out in the audience. So what is just a, a key lesson? If you, if you only had a, a minute to talk to somebody uh, about your journey, what is a key lesson that you've learned that really is impactful to your success? The shortest answer that I can think of here, Vicky, <laughs> is really to trust in your own ability to figure things out because you don't need to know everything from yeah. the beginning. You just need to trust yourself that whenever you see a problem, you will be able to figure out a solution. It doesn't mean you're going to have the answer right away but you're going to be able to figure it out and having that trust in yourself builds the confidence. And the more you do following that kind of mindset, the easier it gets. And, you know, growth is always about challenging yourself and challenges mm -hmm. mean that you do things that you don't know how to do at the very beginning, that you grow, that you feel those growing pains, even though they feel like an imposter mm -hmm. syndrome. And one last but not least, Vicky, is if anyone would like to dive deeper, I would recommend that they read my book that I'm currently writing. And yeah, so the, I'll say you have to come back for that. Yeah. Okay. So in the next episode, we'll be talking about the book. Yeah, awesome. Yes, definitely <laughs> do that. And uh, it, what you just said 
reminded me of a quote and um and I'll have to I'll I'll put it in my show notes as to who did the quote. I want to say Eleanor Roosevelt, but I don't know if that's correct. But it was don't let your being at chapter or your being at chapter one keep you from trying or keep you trying to be somebody else's chapter 20. And and I I I love that because it's just saying that if you're starting and you're stretching and growing, you are not going to do things right. You are f- going to fail. You're going to stumble. You're going to have to get back up. So don't compare you to se- yourself to somebody that's been doing this for a long time. You know, when I coach speakers and they are struggling, I don't want them to look at me and say, this is how you should be today because it took me 27 years to get to this point of comfort. And so I I think that's important for everyone always to remember that that growth is really part of um, remembering that you are on chapter one and don't try to be uh, chapter 20. (laughs) Exactly. That's a good quote. So what is the book, because I, my question was for the, the rapid fire, what is next on the horizon in your journey? <laughs> so what is the premise of the book? Let's give a teaser that, do you have a title? Yet? Yes. Uh, what so is it? the working title is brain refactor because <laughs> I make this analogy of how human brain is very similar to an app or a computer yes, program where in an app, if you have some behavior that's undesired, that's buggy behavior, you just go back, trace the code line by line, figure out what's not working and you fix it. Right. And so with the human mind, a lot of similarities are possible. Mm-hmm. So in my book, I dive into the algorithm, how to refactor your brain and how to use it for really changing whatever buggy behaviors you want to change and refactor. Oh, this is going to be a good book. Yes, we definitely are going to have another conversation because I absolutely agree with you. I think our brains are like computers, supercomputers, and the next the one that's even smarter than that is I think our gut could do another book on all that, (laughs) but your gut is an app too, because it tells us things. And just like apps, sometimes we ignore what our brain and our gut are telling us and try to fix things ourselves whenever the solution is right there, understanding the why things are happening the way they are. If you enjoyed this conversation and want to learn more, have a, a longer conversation with Dagna. I'm going to share my screen as always. If you are just listening, please go grab a paper or pencil. If you have not already done so, I will share the website. So the website is https colon forward slash forward slash www.themindfuldev.com. Again, themindfuldev.com. On LinkedIn, you can find her at Dagna Biada. And at Twitter, uh, use a capital D for Dagna and a capital B for Vieta. So that's D-A-G-N-A-B-I-E-D-A. I'll let Dagna tell you about um, a video that she has that can help you um, understand things and also what you can find on her website. So it's all yours. 
So if you enjoyed this conversation, I would like to welcome you to check out the case study of how I work with my clients. You can check it out yourself or send it to friends, uh, engineering friends that you know could use a helping hand with their <laughs> skills. Um, so within the case study, I walk you through how I help this particular client um, go from an underappreciated senior engineer to a CTO, a chief technology officer of a small startup in three and a half months that we work together. Mm -hmm. And I also describe the steps that I use with my clients. Some of them use them to get skip level promotions. Some mm -hmm. others double their salaries um, in terms of salary increases my clients went anywhere from 20 to $111,000 in increase after working with me. Wow. But a lot of them also um, achieved a little bit less tangible results, such as um, getting past the imposter syndrome, you can't really measure that, can you? Or mm -hmm. um, getting their anxiety in an interview setting very much down or figuring out what's the next step as they exit um, as a CTO and a founder from their current startup. So I work with a very wide range of clients and I use the same process because it's um, it's proven it works. So check <laughs> it out. And if you want, I'm here for you. I'd love to work with you. Awesome. So please check out that video and that is HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash www themindfuldev.com slash case study. So if you go to her website and you'll find a link for the case study there. Well, Dagna, it, it just, I knew it would be very interesting chatting with you um, and love to find more ways that, that we can work together because your audience, I, I'm sure um, might use a little bit of uh, being more engaging in their conversation now. Absolutely. That's why I'm here. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. So again, thank you so much for being a wonderful guest. And as always, I remind My everyone that life is a journey and it's up to you to enjoy the ride. This is Vicki Nethling signing off. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nethling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.